All right. So tonight we're uh, back in the body life study, um, and uh, we'll be doing this for a few more weeks as we work through the end of this. Uh, we're on the subject tonight of mission and vision, uh, and we we are going to get into some some good stuff as we per- proceed uh, through this. So um, we've talked about you know provision and protection, function, relationship, identification, and as I said, we're on mission and vision now. Last week when we got together, and by the way, if you don't have a handout, there should be some at the connections counter. Uh, does anyone need a handout? Let me ask. Okay. Um, Pat, can you search for those? Search the world over, and uh, there should be some. Hands up, please, and thank you. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. We need uh, – there, did you go to the connections counter? Really? Okay. Amy Joe, they're saying there's no handouts. So um, I'll tell you what, Pat, well, let me do this. I've got Amy here. Uh, I have this I have this one. And that's all I got. I'm glad I kept it. Hang on a second. Wouldn't that be the this is the only one I, I just have this as a reference. Do you know how to do that color and staple and all that? Uh, maybe not. Maybe a... Yeah. Yeah, he's that's the thing. It needs to be stapled. So it's got the. I think Amy knows how to run all that. All right. So we'll be we'll uh, tread through this and uh, and so uh, we'll get you your copies as soon as we can. I apologize for that not being ready. That should have been out and ready. I assume that was. Good to go. All right. So uh, the Bible, defi- the biblical definition of, of the mission of the church, we talked about that um, and talked about the heart of God's mission. So that's that's what should be in those blanks. Uh, and of course, it's always around the Great Commission and uh, and the issue of going out and winning people to Christ, telling them about the gospel, getting them saved. We talked about the authority <clears throat> that is associated with that uh, mission as well. Um, and we talked about Matthew 28:18 through 20, how Jesus was given all authority, and then he gave that authority to his disciples. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, of course, he talks about how that authority will come to them at Pentecost, and it did, of course, the Holy Ghost indwelled them. Colossians chapter 1, uh, he has given us the, the uh, Spirit of God and the power of God to make known the riches, the glory, the mystery to the Gentile world, which is what we do, and we are to train and teach all um, uh, faithful men as we've been taught, right? So that's discipleship. And then we got to uh, the third thing, which is Jesus Jesus values souls because he made us and wants us to restore his image to follow men, right? So uh, that's these are all part of the mission, right? With God's heart and his authority, his values, uh, he values people. And so we should value people as well, and we should get the gospel to them on time. And so we spent some time talking about that last week. And let me get to where we are tonight. All right. So um, the vision that God gives us to see and fulfill the mission, we talked about where there's no vision, people perish. uh, And God wants us to see his vision in the mission of God. We talked about that, Isaiah chapter 6. And then tonight, um, we're going to get to the third point. Let me get to that. Here we go. The role of discipleship in fulfilling the mission of God. 
Uh, last week when we left off, I, I left in Philippians chapter 2 as we were talking about how the vision for Heartland is found in the Word of God. It's found in Philippians chapter 2, and we pray that God would... Uh, it's, it tells you what to do and how to do it. We want to. We want to be. We want the outcome of being a light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. But we, uh, we do that, you know, with without murmurings and disputings, right? We we do that through unity of the Spirit of God, and uh, when we are in on God's, uh, we're in God's will, and we're we're uh, we're loving God and loving people. It allows us, and we have unity with God and with one another. That horizontal and that or that vertical and that horizontal fellowship, it allows us to fulfill the vision and the mission that God has given us. So the role of discipleship in fulfilling the mission of God is mission critical because because we cannot uh, fulfill the mission of God without maturing disciples, right? That's the key. Um, it's great to be an evangelist, and we should do the work of evangelism for sure, but ultimately you got to do something with the fruit that you produce, right? So it's fun to make babies. It's a lot harder to raise them. And so we cannot fulfill the mission of God without maturing disciples. So when Jesus says, teach all nations, that literally implies disciple all nations in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Uh, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And so uh, these things are not hid. They're found in the word of God. And at HBF, <clears throat> uh, we have a process for discipleship from infancy through maturity, and I think most of you are aware of that, but some people don't know. I was just talking to some people today that don't have don't know about all of this. Uh, Hebrews 5.13 tells us, in, uh, it says, For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Uh, and he's not saying, you know, like, Sonny and Cher, I got you, babe. I mean, he's saying that you're like a baby. Uh, but but strong meat belonging to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Right. So um, maturity, the strong meat of the word of God belongs to those with maturity. So if you're frustrated because you don't know the Bible, the thing is, is, is what you should do is dumb down the Bible so that you, it comes to your level, and it's actually not the case. What we need to do is we need to grow, we need to mature, so that we can learn God's mind, right? God's ways aren't our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So what do we do? We let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus, so that we can learn uh, his mind. One of the things that helps that, by the way, is having the Spirit of God. A lot of times people approach the Bible from an intellectual perspective, and, and that can be done. Uh, I'm not smart enough to figure it out, but there are people that, that can just like read it like a history book and, and comprehend it because it is an accurate book of history. Uh, all the time archaeologists are uncovering covering the veracity of the Bible every day. You know, it's like all this history in the Bible is absolutely, you know, everything that's written is where it was at and it's all there. But it's a spiritual book. It's God's mind and it really helps to have the Spirit of God uh, teach you all things whatsoever he said to us. You're really going to get what the Bible intends for you to have once you get saved. Um, and the first thing that the Bible wants to communicate is is that, salvation, how to be saved. Uh, you see that in Acts chapter 8, right? The, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch uh, is reading Isaiah 53 there, and he's like, "How? what is this talking about? Who is this talking about? Is this guy, the prophet, talking about himself or someone else? And God rolls up the, the Philip and says, hey, you know, you understand what you're looking at? And he's like, how can I except some man teach me? Well, this 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 uh, Ethiopian eunuch already understood that 
the, you know, Jewish, the Jewish religion was the way, so to speak. It was given and he was, he was on board with that. Um, but man, until someone taught him that Jesus was the Messiah and fulfilled that prophecy, he didn't get it because it's spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit has to teach us those things and he teaches us those things. We got to mature in our knowledge. And so it starts with just taking the milk of the meat and the concepts that we understand, which is the love of God, the grace of God, salvation. And then it grows um, as we uh, follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Did I give you the right handout? I hope I gave you the right one. Are you guys tracking? Okay, good. Um, all right. So Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 um, <clears throat> says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. So we get saved by grace through faith. That now of ourselves is the gift of God. But we can add to that salvation, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, um, and to temperance, patience. What does temperance mean, by the way? Not to lose your temper, right? No, it's, that's true, but it really just means moderation, right? You, you don't want to be given over to something. You have to be able to control yourself, self-control. And so um, temperance, and then after that, patience, and patience, godliness, and godliness, brotherly kindness, and, and, to, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a pretty powerful statement, right? So if you work on the character aspect of the words of God, you'll end up in a situation where you will be fruitful. That's what he's saying. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So when you think about that in the context of the time in which we live, you know, when the admonition to the Laodicean church is, uh, that, you know, you want to anoint your, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see, right? That's a pretty important passage, right? So what's, what's lacking today? Is it knowledge about the Bible? No, I think we got a lot of, we got more knowledge about the Bible now than any generations. I mean, you just hit your phone and Google up whatever you want to know. So it's not really knowledge. It's, it's, it's really living it. It's character. It's doing what the Bible says. It's obedience. So we're going blind because we're not obedient. We're not, we're not doing what a child knows to do, which is obey. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. That's just the simple, that's the simple issue of virtue, right? Just being, you know, virtue, when you look into that word, is power. You get power when, you're, when you have virtue, um, uh, when you're obedient to the Lord. And you can add to that knowledge. Uh, you can make a decision to obey and not even know all the rules that you're supposed to obey. You can have an obedient attitude. Just say, I, you know what, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my mind to do what God tells me to do. That'll go a long way. And then God can trust you with knowledge of what you're supposed to do, Right? And then once you get the knowledge of what you're supposed to do, he'll give you the, the, the self-control to know how to govern it and give you the patience to wait. A good farmer is patient, right? So you've got to plant the seed. Then you've got to wait on the fruit to come. Um, and you know what? You'll become more like God. You'll, be like, you'll, be like God. you'll start to display those characters of God, and that will be manifest to other people because you'll be kind to others because God's been kind to you. Um, and that is, you know what, you'll be, you'll be full of charity, which is, you'll be a manifestation of love. 
And that's, that's where it's at. Uh, maturity man, is going to be manifest in love. And uh, when, we're, when we're, you know, hot-tempered, short, selfish, self-willed, all that works of the flesh stuff, you know, just, it's just a manifestation. Who throws a temper tantrum? Babies, right? Children, toddlers, they throw temper tantrums. I have very, you know, I, I just hate it when grown men run around the house putting holes in the wall. They get mad, and I used to, I had a, well, I, won't, I don't want to say too many names here. People watch this thing, so I'll just keep it to myself. But I just, there's people, and, uh, you know, when, when a grown man's putting a hole in the wall, he's a baby. That's all there is to it. Uh, there ain't, there, if you can't control yourself more than that, that's just a baby temper tantrum. Uh, you need to get back to the Bible. And so um, we're going to look at look at the process here at Heartland. We have a seven stages of spiritual growth. Actually, there's eight um, <clears throat> in Living Faith Fellowship. We teach seven. Years ago, I added eight. So I'll, I'll quickly walk you through these. Um, this is something that that you know most of us. If you're around here. Uh, and you go through D1, you may not get this, but you will if you go through How to Disciple, Discipleship 2, HBI, certainly you will. Um, you should never go out of this church as a minister or a pastor if this is not just more than a chart, but really the actual the thing that we do, right? It's represented in this chart. So when we talk about spiritual growth, discipleship, vision, and mission, uh, it really boils down to discipleship in these stages of spiritual growth. So you can find these seven natural, there's seven uh, natural stages of spiritual growth that you can find in the New Testament. And I don't have all the references here in this chart for you. Um, and that's a whole class into itself, of which we do here uh, on Wednesday nights. I do run through that um, every, probably once every three and a half years or so. But the first stage is simple repentance. When someone gets saved, right, that's when you get, you get saved. You call upon the name of the Lord, you get saved. Change of heart and mind produces a change of life. And that's typically when we uh, are starting Discipleship 1 over on the right side of that chart. Uh, you know, we have tools here at Heartland that we apply to the different um, levels of spiritual maturity. So someone who's a young Christian um, is in D1. You say, well, you know what? I know somebody that was a Christian a long time, and they went through D1. You can be a young Christian and be saved a long time, but you've never been taught. Or you can be saved for 30 years and not and still not be able to open up your Bible and effectively show someone why you're saved, how you're saved, what your soul's sealed with. You may not know any of that stuff. Um, you may just be saved. So the Bible should be a book that is is your Bible, not just my Bible, not just my knowledge. So we have a way of doing that. It's called Discipleship One. You sit down one-on-one with somebody. You open up the Word of God, and you just walk through these basics of the Bible. Um, and in that process, now it's not listed on here. There's four goals of discipleship. Um, and you guys tell me, what are the four goals of discipleship? Somebody raise your hand and give me the first one. Yes. That's right. Second one. That's the third one. Yeah, well, go ahead. Out in the, out in the foyer. <laughs> Mitch is going to yell at us. Give us two. Yes. Stop. Because he's got two. We need the fourth one. Not, I, we got others that will do the fourth one. You got the fourth one? No, let, let Pat go. Establishing the ministry. All right, we got it. Good job, everybody. Yay, give yourself some good job. All right, so establishing the word. Now, years ago we had a discussion, what does establish mean, right? So when we talk about establish, uh, some people see establish as you're like rock solid forever, like you built the foundation and it's there 
All right. Well, when I establish is when you start something. So I, I look at it as started, right? This business was started and whatever, you know, 1905. We've been selling chili since 1900 or whatever. This started at this time. So you're getting people started. You know, you are laying a foundation for sure. All right. So establishing the word, just a, a knowledge of the word. Like for me, when I got saved, I, I literally did not know the difference between Old Testament and New Testament. Like I got saved and I'm like, Old Testament, New Testament. What? Oh, before Jesus. Now, I, didn't, I wasn't like super slow, but it was like, oh, Old Testament's before Jesus, New Testament's after Jesus. Got it, you know. And so I had to start there, just knowing how to rightly divide the word. It wasn't seven dispensations. It was like two, Old Testament, New Testament. Okay, get it. That's where I started. Uh, and so and so you got to have somebody, you know, explain all that to you. Um, and, and you get them established in the word. Like for me personally, the first words I was established in were the same words I was trusting for my salvation. So before I was even in officially in discipleship one, I had the gospel track. I had a little New Testament, a little, uh, we actually give those away with our baptism certificates. This little New Testament that has a really good, uh, outlines in it. It's sort of like a little discipleship lessons. And, and, and so I would go back over that plan of salvation and, and get it down in my head so I could share with others and also so I could remember that I was saved. I, I didn't really like having anyone tell me that. Maybe Earl did, but it was just kind of intuitive, right? Cause I wanted to remember how I was feeling and I wanted to know what I was trusting. It's just, that's just who I am. So I just did that without any instruction. But then I sat down at discipleship one and my brain blew open, you know, and I started just reading in the, once I figured out there was old Testament and new Testament, I started reading the new Testament because I tried the old Testament before I got saved and I couldn't make it through Genesis before it just was like a big sleeping pill to me. I just was like, you know, it was just boring. I didn't get it. Uh, so I didn't have the spirit of God in me to understand all that. So, um, uh, I just realized I probably should stay put cause that camera can't follow me. All right. And so, um, and so that's what we do is we establish people in the word, just the basics, salvation, eternal life. What, did, what about baptism? What about the Holy Ghost? What about the Word of God? What about prayer? What about the local? What about the will of God? What about the local church, et cetera, et cetera, uh, all the way up through the judgment seat of Christ? And practical stuff, job and employer and all that. What's the Bible say about the basics, fundamentals of my vertical relationship with God, uh, my relationship with the body of Christ, my relationship with the world, and my standing at the judgment seat of Christ? That's basically a thumbnail sketch of the 16 lessons. And so uh, we go through that and get them established in the word. The second thing is enlightenment. As you go through this process, and all this can happen in D1, it is, this isn't, you know, everyone kind of process, process is a little different through the paces, but um, we should be learning about who, who made the change in our life, and we're enlightened, right? The light bulbs come on, right? You start having these ahas, like, oh, man, you know, and the Bible's just coming to life. And then the natural thing that, that happens is we are designed to participate, right? We, we are designed to go beyond learning and doing. You really don't learn until you do, by the way. And so there's opportunities. Our goals at Heartland are to edify, exercise, and engage, and learn, live, and love. No grow and go. However you want to look at those things, they're all the same, just different, said the different way. So once you know what to do, you've got to grow in that, and then you've got to do it, right? At some point, you've got to put your hand on the plow. And start doing it because you really don't know much until you do it. You know, so like just don't raise your hands. But in this room, like 
I would say most of you, if I said, are you born again? I think everyone here has a testimony of salvation. All right, so great. But how many, and don't raise your hand, please. How many of you led someone to Christ? You know, if not, why not? There's something about just leading someone to Christ that gives you a different appreciation about knowing about your own salvation and the need to get it to other people. And so, you know, that's a goal that if you're in this room right now or you're watching online, you know, and you've never led someone to Christ. I forget the statistic Jeremy quoted a few weeks ago. A huge majority of Christians have never led someone to Christ. And that's the fundamental thing that we're trusting to go to heaven. Why wouldn't we turn around and share that with someone else when that is the main thing we're supposed to be doing? Think about that. And then wonder why there's a great falling away. Wonder why people are blind, miserable, and they're naked. Poor, blind, miserable, naked. Because, man, we're not doing the basics. We're not adding anything to what we've learned. So anyway, I'm just saying. So um, Discipleship 1 helpfully gets us off a dead center. Right, we get off. Of, we get a start. We're at least in the starting blocks, and we're getting out of the we're getting out of the blocks, and we're, we're participating in ministry. That's just getting started. So the first three stages of our discipleship process um, may or may not be accomplished in D one. By the way, you don't have to go through the tools of Heartland D one to be to go through these stages. People do that by just the natural attending church and being obedient to the Holy Spirit of God. All the tools do is put structure. So that you, you kind of have a path so we can get people where they need to go. Jesus spent three and a half years intentionally instructing his disciples so they become apostles. Heartland exists so we can actually literally accomplish the mission of God. Like literally plant churches, literally send missionaries. We're not doing a super job of it. We've only sent a few missionaries and planned a few churches. But we have tried and we're trying and we're trusting. You know, we're still going after it. And by God's grace, we'll get some people and continue to grow people up that are serious enough about the mission of God. You've got to have a discipleship process for that to happen. doesn't mean everybody that comes in the door is going to be a missionary or a pastor. But, boy, I pray that we all struggle with it, you know, that we all would consider that. Uh, because God needs to advance and, and grow the church. Okay, so D1, discipleship one is the tools that we use. But it's not so much about just those tools. Those are just kind of cover that area. And that's just kind of getting you started. But then what happens naturally is that fourth area is, um, you know, when you're responsible for something, there's another, it's not on here either, but when you go in, in ministry, there's there's three things that really happen uh, when you're in ministry. Uh, the first thing you do is you observe and learn. If you're like me, that's really how I, I do a lot of things. I, I'm not a usually a jump in. Some people are just a jump in, you know, like Peter, just jump in and do it, you know, hands on, get out of my way. Uh, you know, type A, whatever, just jump in and do it. I'm not like that. I'm an, definitely an observe and learn type of person. I like to watch and learn, and then, but you still got to do it. The only way you're really going to learn is to participate at some level. You have to start participating. Um, and it start, it's just, that's really, it's environmental in some ways. Uh, that's why the church should be like a greenhouse for growth. I know when I got saved, I didn't sing, but it didn't take long. Before the Holy Spirit of God, the environment itself made me comfortable enough where I opened my mouth and started participating in praising God. I don't know about you guys, but when I came out of out of the, out of this world, I got saved. Singing was not part of my life. I didn't sing. I mean, I might have liked to listen to a lot. Of, I love music. I love listening to music, but I wasn't going to open my mouth and sing, at least not in front of anybody. But yet, I got saved. And brought them to the church, all these people are singing. It's the weirdest thing. You're just like, okay. 
And the next thing you know, you're singing. What are you doing? You're participating. It's kind of just like that's how that's how ministry goes too. You just kind of you kind of want to jump in. Somebody's putting up chairs. You want to start putting up chairs. It's just the spirit of God just starts to take what you're learning and you start applying it. I'm not, I'm not talking about like you got to take a missions trip the first week or anything. I'm just talking about little things. You know, it's just being part. I, I literally this is truly truly what happened when I got saved. I, I was disappointed. I wasn't a member. I thought because I came every week. And I was participating. I was a member of the church. I didn't even understand, like, baptism, membership, none of that stuff. I didn't. And I hadn't gotten there in my discipleship yet either. So I was, like, shocked. I'm like, oh, I'm not a member? What's it take to be a member around this place, you know? And I say that and I laugh because there's people right now in our church that are exactly the same way. we got people who aren't members out here in the foyer trying to get people acclimated to our church. This happened last Sunday. I got guests out here <laughs> coming to Heartland, and I got people who are on members welcoming them, making sure they feel at home here, and make sure they come back. <laughs> I'm just like, this is awesome, you know. What is that? That's people participating, man. They're just getting involved, and, and they like what God's doing. It's, it's pretty cool. I like that. That's awesome. But there is a process for being a member, right, and, and leadership and all of that. And that just starts to develop. Over time, of course, leadership develops, and um, there's a manifestation of leadership qualities, and uh, and so we have, you know, continuing education. Um, um, one of the things like over here right now, I'm pointing over here across the wall. And right now, as I'm speaking, there's a discipleship two class going on. And it's not a one on one. It's not a it's not a walk with me at your own pace. It's a little more regimented. It's a little bit more academic. And you got right now, Jeff, Pastor Jeff Trude's in there teaching away. And uh, there's probably man, there's probably 12 people in there right now. They've been through D1. Some have been through How Disciple, and uh, and there's that, there's really two primary goals with that class. It's to learn the word. What's the second one? Those of you, you guys should know Gibson's. You were in there last year. Put them on the spot. They're like, I don't know. Anybody else know? Yeah, the work. That's the two things that we want to add discipleship to. We want the folks to know the word so that they can do the work, the word and the work. That's it. The, the whole the whole curriculum, if you don't know this, is broken down like that. That's why the first part is is built on a lot of doctrine. The second part, there should be more practicum. And, that, and there's testing in that as well as you go through it. And so it's the word and the work. We want to we want to give a good doctrinal basis, but not just so you have more knowledge because you can totally get puffed up. There's enough in our discipleship, too. There's some people that come out of Bible college that don't know what discipleship, too. They don't know the seven uh, mysteries. They don't know the seven baptisms. They don't know the seven resurrections. They don't understand any of that stuff. They don't know the difference between the king, the big one. Don't know the dis- difference between the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Uh, stuff like that is that you guys learn around here is like, oh, yeah, I learned that in D2. I'm telling you, there's people coming out of Bible college don't know all that stuff. I went from a guy who didn't know the difference between Old Testament, New Testament, to within a couple of years, I couldn't believe it. I was in shepherd school. I was 24 years old, 26, somewhere around that time, between 24 and 26. And a pastor's up there talking about, about some of this stuff. And I'm like, well, after I got up after class and I went up to the pastor and said, are you trying to tell me that there are people preaching in pulpits that don't know the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? And he laughed at me. He says, well, yeah, buddy. All kinds of people don't know that. And I was like, what? How is that possible? I'm junior bird man here. I, I've known that since I got saved almost now because I was brought up in a church that taught 
the word of God, right? But you know what you learn over time? Oh, to whom much is given, much is required. You know what leadership really is? It's taking responsibility for what you know. You know, something's been entrusted to you, right? You're getting ready to have a baby. You're going to take, you're going to take, take, you got to take responsibility. You know, I love you guys, but I'm not, I'm not coming over in the middle of the night to feed that baby. You guys got to take care of that. I'm just telling you, uh, you know, that's what we do when we become leaders is we take care of the responsibility, right? You get all this knowledge of the word. Well, then, man, you got to do something with it. And that's how leadership development starts. Uh, And that brings us to the next one, which is the fifth one, number five, which is the number of death and the number of grace in the Bible, right? Reevaluation, consecration. I also, what else did I put up there? Uh, Consecration, reevaluation, separation. I can still remember sitting in Discipleship 2 class, 1988, I think it was, and... uh, and uh, Greg Axe is teaching, is somewhere there in that winter between 87 and 88. Greg Axe is teaching on this principle. He was going through the seven stages. Uh, it's probably like the second or third class of discipleship, too, that they had at our church, Kansas City Baptist Temple. It was on mimeograph paper. I mean, it was a long time ago. And uh, Greg Axe is walking through his testimony on this reevaluation, separation, and consecration. And, man, I tell you what, I, I don't remember everything. Of course, back then, that's a long time ago. It was over 30 years ago. But I tell you, I remember that. And uh, and it's and I tell you, I'm glad I did because really these seven stages I'll be frank with you you kind of go through them over and over again I mean you process them through and about the time you think you're ready to reach the world God takes you back and says now follow me <laughs> and you kind of go back through and learn some things all over again and you hit these points of consecration along the way where God says do you really want to follow you can go home remember he did that with the disciples you guys still hanging with me. Why don't you go home too? What did Peter say? We can't. You have the words of eternal life. We're riding with you. There's a point sometimes where you'll come in the ministry and it'll test you. And uh, you'll be ready to quit. Pack up your tent and go home. And God's pruning you. And we don't like to talk about that in Laodicea, but that's that's part of the process. Um, it, there's a time of testing and proving the disciples' true commitment. Um, strenuous ministry exercise will often produce that. Like you're like, man, I've got to sacrifice to teach this child children's ministry stuff. Are you kidding me? Yes. No. No, God's saying, no, I'm not kidding you. Like it's going to cost you to do ministry. And you may have to give something up. And it's, this is, doesn't always happen. Like there's, there, this kind of happens naturally where you're like for me in my own personal walk, I was, I was truly a crazy football fan when I got saved. And I knew in my heart, like the Chiefs were, you know, I, I would, I knew that it was kind of almost like a pagan religion, you know. I got it, and I wasn't like super. It wasn't like the hardest thing to pry out of my my hands. But I, t- I will tell you, God had to prune me, and He put me in situations where it's like Chiefs or ministry. Chiefs or min, and I, I had to choose ministry, of course, and I did. But. You know, to sit here, it sounds carnal in retrospect and petty, but when I was a young Christian, that was a big deal. Like to forsake the Chiefs game and go and preach at the mission on a Sunday was a big deal to me. Like, it was, it it really isn't, it's nothing, it wasn't a sacrifice. But from where I was at, God was saying, hey, you need to be a little more consecrated, son. You know, follow me. And then in time, you will get tested. I mean, like really tested. 
And uh, like I was shocked back. Well, I won't get into it too much. I don't want to get into too much of that personal testimony on that end. But but you'll you'll find that there's there's times that come along where you're going to be tested. And uh, and you got to decide, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. And again, uh, this is somewhat incremental. And then there will be points where it's all or nothing. You know, um, all or nothing. For me, one of the big, uh, I can just go through points in my life, even early on before I got to this stage. I was way back there in 1, 2, and 3 still. But it was the end of, it was the beginning of my senior year. I'd been saved as a junior in high school, and I came into my senior year. It was about the beginning of uh, the school year, and I really had to make a decision. Like, I'm going to follow Jesus. And that's it. Like, that's it. And I wasn't all the way to level five yet, by the way. But those decisions that you make early pay off late. Because I was I knew I was knew me, right? If I got too caught up in, in sports, if I got too caught up in my last year, I knew if I got too caught, I didn't go to I, I intentionally and people can judge me or think what I intentionally did not go to college uh, because I wanted to stay close to my local church and learn the Bible. Because I knew me. I'm afraid if I went away, I would never come back. There's too many influences. I needed to be tethered. And I stayed there, and it's paid off for me. Um, at least I think. In eternity, we'll find out. Nothing wrong with going to college. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm saying for me, at that time in my life, that's what I, I did what I was supposed to do. And uh, and I was in prayer about it. But, man, ministry became – once when you're a young Christian, when you're up there in the one, two, and three – there's a certain euphoria that usually comes when you're first saved, and then you'll you'll all the new will kind of the shine will wear off. You know, it's kind of cool to come to church on Sunday. It's kind of cool to come to Wednesday night. It's kind of cool to be part of everything, but then then it doesn't take long. Six months later, a year later, it's just kind of like, oh man, this is a drag. Like the news worn off, all the cool emotions are gone, and you're not the new kid on the block anymore. Nobody cares about you. Right, we're looking at the next new kid that came in the door. <laughs> so, you know, the next person, and you start to feel like, "Hey, what about me?" Well, you know what? You got to decide. What about you? Why are you here? What are you getting out of this? Where are you going with this? What is the real purpose for all this? You know, and I, I went through all that too, so I, I know what I'm talking about. That's the cool thing about being not raised in church, not being a PK. And being stupid as a stump before I got saved is I really have to get where I'm at. I've come through the ranks from beginning, you know, all the way up. So I know how you feel. I know what it's like to be cynical to church. I know what it's like to feel left out. I know what it's like all that. Man. And you know what? It's all part of it. It's all part of God preparing you for leadership and testing you to see where you're going to go. So number six comes along. You pass all the tests, and God wants to entrust you with the leadership in discipling others, right? Now, all of a sudden, you're, you're somebody that's being entrusted with knowledge and information. You might be a discipler now, and now you're taking someone under your wing, and you're developing them, or you're entrusted with an area of ministry. You're now a ministry group leader over in the children's ministry or a ministry group leader out mowing the lawn or a ministry group leader doing something in the body of Christ where you are now responsible. You're in the AV booth leading up a group of people, or you're, you, now you have responsibility, and uh, you're, you're putting God first. Um, and maybe part of your, your the tools in the toolbox that you need is to consider HBI or Heartland Bible Institute. It's not for everybody, but it is for some. It's there for you. 
and you should take advantage of it if you can. Uh, but you certainly, um, you know, are now beyond just being fed all the time. But you should be getting to the point where you can feed yourself. Right? That's what it's all about. You're responsible. You're responsible. At the judgment seat of Christ, you will be responsible. Because to whom much is given, much is required. You got all the knowledge. And hopefully you've added the virtue. That's how you get to the leadership, number six. Is that that you've gone beyond. And now that virtue... And that knowledge is turning into charity. And you become a lover of not only God, but other people. And God can entrust souls to you. The most important thing that's entrusted in a local church is not the building, is not the money, is not all of that other stuff. It is the souls of men and women. People are literally hanging on the fact that what you say is true. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's crazy. I remember when I was a young Christian and getting on the circuit and going out and preaching it was one thing to sit where you guys are and hear it. It's another thing to get up in the pulpit and go, wow, do I really believe what I just taught? Do I know what I just taught? Or am I just repeating what I heard back at the church? And part of that responsibility comes when you have integrity. You study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You take it, you internalize it. It's yours. These, I just had this week somebody asked me what I believed in if I took a stand on this or that or the other. And I shot right back at him. Absolutely. This is where I stand. This is why I stand there, right? This is the path I'm on. This is what the Bible says. I don't follow it because someone taught it to me. It's what the Bible says. I mean, someone did teach it, but at the end of the day, it's what the Bible says. I've studied it. And so at the end of the day, you got to make this Bible yours. You're entrusted with the words of God and the souls of men. That's what leadership responsibility is about. And you will naturally get to that point. And, of course, we feed that around here. We feed it. We're feeding you that with vision conferences, with prayer team meetings. We're feeding you that with uh, the Bible conference, Bible publishing. If you're in this church and you don't pick up a vision for for world, uh, for the world and what the, the scope of the mission, if you're in a study and you don't get that, man, you're missing it. And God has not called us to for our four no more. He hasn't called us to huddle up our little, you know, get a little uh, huddle up the. The wagons and, you know, wait for the Indians to come over the horizon, man. We're charging forward. We're taking the battle to them. That's the way this works. Um, uh, and so there are two different mindsets in the church. And increasingly, as the Lord is re- getting ready to return, it's, you see, it's, the inclination is to just kind of huddle up and wait. But what God needs us to do is be like David and, and charge right toward the giant. I mean, we got to be crazy for Jesus and go out and get the gospel where it needs to go on time with boldness. Because we're the we're we're we are the the people to take the gospel where it needs to go. There are not going to be Bible believing churches if we don't plan them. There's not going to be people reproducing what we teach if we don't teach it and reproduce it. It just doesn't happen by osmosis. And by God's grace, He's allowing us to partner with other churches and what have you, and have influence and be influenced by other brothers like our, ourselves that's developed in the last 20 years that we didn't really have when I started. And I thank God for all of that. That's all part of number seven, world vision. And Heartland has a place, especially with the Bible publishing. And so, uh, man, at this church, you can be fully equipped to reach the world and reach the world from this church. You can be engaged. I mean, I'll just use, we got people leading prayer teams, leading mission trips, literally taking the gospel around the world right here out of Heartland. And they have full-time jobs. Um, And they're doing the mission with World Vision. I mean, it can be done. It's not like someday maybe we'll get there. This is what we, we would hope that we're all about, actually. 
And so, um, by the way, this coming Sunday, just word out, word, word up, word to the mother. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have prayer team meetings going on uh, after church on Sunday. So look in the bulletin. But you might want to make sure you plan some time after church because there's just like five of them happening, you know. So if you want to check that out, get in on one. And you don't have to even be born again. You can just come. You can jump in on one. I know it's really awkward to pray when you're not saved. But uh, you can just jump in. You don't have to be a member. Just jump in and learn what that's all about. And then the last one is reproduction, the eighth stage. Now, I added this once we started Heartland. And this is why. So for anyone out in the ether, which I don't think anybody watches this, but if there's anyone out there watching this that's not a Heartland person, and especially if you come from my background uh, and our upbringing, and, and, and if you're part of the Living Faith Fellowship, don't freak out that Brian's added an eighth. Just relax. Eight is the number of new beginning. And, but I will give you my justification for eight. Um, if you use seven, I'm not mad. I think when I take missions trips, I teach seven. Um, but I will tell you, I've added an eighth one. Um, because when I was coming up, when we looked at discipleship, um, in the seven stages, we, and, and rightfully so, uh, we looked at it in the context that I just gave it to you. Everything I just talked to you about, for the most part, deals with individual growth. And we view discipleship, and this is the way I was discipled, we viewed discipleship through the lens of individual growth and individual mature, maturation, which is important. But obviously, as you look to the last end of that, the last couple uh, boxes there, six and seven, really, uh, five, six, and seven, the challenge is really not about you anymore. It's about dying to self. That's really what the maturation process of a Christian is, is, is not about you. So, and because we were planting a church, I thought, you know, I want to add an eighth level of discipleship because it's not just about you reproducing you, which is in large part what we are doing. We're reproducing ourselves we're really reproducing Christ in others, but God's using us to do that through our own relationship with Christ. That's what discipleship's about, a transfer of life, a transfer not just of knowledge, but of heart and soul. And obviously it all comes from Jesus. It's all about Jesus, but you want to see fruit. You want to see John chapter 15. You want to see all of that. And it's one thing to have world vision, but it's another thing to actually see that reproduced. Right? Someday I have two children. They're not mine biologically, but they'll reproduce, and then we'll have grandchildren. It's one thing to raise kids. It's another thing to see those kids go out and have kids, right? You want to see reproduction. It's one thing to plant a church, but what I'm really excited about is the churches that Heartland plants. That's reproduction. I don't know really how well we're doing. How well did I do as a church planting pastor? Mm, you know, it's pretty debatable, but, um, but you know, I want us to be producing and reproducing. Not just not just producing for numbers in the sanctuary, but actually reproducing local New Testament churches. That's the mission. The mission is reproduction. It's being fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, right? So discipleship is complete. The believer now fulfills the mission of Matthew twenty eight, nineteen through twenty, and begins in earnest to fulfill Second Timothy two two, wherever God calls them. And by God's grace, there's a reproduction process that goes into place. Um, you're equipped to reach the world, but actually you're doing it. That's when you have re- that's when you have new life. That's what that's what the eighth stage is. Is you're starting over in other people's lives, and other local New Testament churches. So <clears throat> you don't have to be a member to begin discipleship one. If you're established in the four goals of discipleship, you should consider D two as an elective. That's an elective. Um, 
Uh, now, in ministry here at Heartland, if you want to be in ministry and teach the Bible, you can do a lot of service by just being saved and being a member. Uh, you're welcome to serve all day long. Uh, there's all kinds of service ministry. But if you want to teach the Bible here, you need to go through D1. It's also a proving process. If you're not faithful with 16 simple lessons, elementary level lessons, then come on, man. Why am I going to trust you with someone's kids? You're like, well, you know, Brian, I already know that. I went to Bible college. Well, good. Then it'll be even easier for you. You can roll through it. No problem. And you can get in how to disciple and we'll use you to teach someone else because you know it all. So that's great. But just do it because that's the process. If you want to teach other people, that's where you start. You say, well, well, I, I went to whatever living faith. Okay, I do have exemptions. Like if you come from another church that does discipleship the way we do, and uh, then you need to go through how to disciple so you have the right philosophy. But I still may encourage you to go through discipleship anyway just to get to know a couple. So I'm really kind of seeing if you'll just submit because I don't want to trust people with stuff if they won't submit. That's a recipe for disaster. Um, and then uh, D2 is an elective, though. I mean, you don't have to take D2. You don't. And you're not more spiritual because you take D2. D2 is there for people who really want to grow in more knowledge. It took me years to process D2, honestly, guys. I mean, the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven thing, I was churning on that for three or four or five years. I mean, it really was tough for me to get all that down. Uh, All the the sevens and the end times eschatology, all that stuff. I mean, I don't know about you all, but what I really needed uh, to help with my D2 was reading through the Bible from cover to cover. You really won't get D2 if you're not going through your whole Bible. you got to go through the Bible cover to cover a few times to even start getting your, those concepts down. Uh, but you get all that going and your D2, now now you're, you are ready. Well, one of the things that Randy and I noticed, and probably the other professors, pastors too in HBI, there are people that enter HBI without, <clears throat> and D2 just went over their head. So they just sat through the class, took their notes, and it was just in one ear and out the other. I will tell you this. If you get into D2, you think D2 was hard. Uh, it's nothing compared to HBI. Anybody at HBI graduate in here? Okay. What do you think, Lauren? Is D2 a lot easier than HBI? Yeah. What do you think, Ron? <laughs> so, so we got everyone. So I'm not trying to scare anybody away from HBI. I'm just saying HBI is really, uh, it's designed to be serious. We let people in that aren't going to be pastors and are not going to be missionaries and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm for everybody that wants to be an NHBI. But I'm, we're also bringing it in a way that if you're serious about being in ministry, like we, we're going to give you what you need. That's why we're here. That's ultimately what I'm here to do. I'm committed to it till Jesus takes me home. Um, and so um, and I don't say that to scare people off. I pray that that actually encourages some people. To really look at their lives and go, wow, I'm in a church that will provide me everything I need. Because I know how it is. I've been on the other side of this, like I've said, where I'm sitting out here in the congregation and I'm called. I mean, I know it. I'm not going to tell anybody that because I'm junior bird man. I don't know what I'm just I, I would never say that. I don't even feel I don't even feel qualified to be in the building. But nonetheless, you know that in your heart of hearts, God's calling you. He's calling you to go all the way. Right. You, you'd made this move in your life. For that reason, you made this. You may not have verbalized it. You talked to your wife like a hundred times. I remember one time after we got saved. I mean, we had all these conversations, or after we got married, we had all these conversations before I got married about now, Amy. What if God calls me to be a pastor? What if, I'll follow you, honey. And then we got married, and I'm like, now she really knows me. What if God calls me to be a pastor? She's like, I'll follow you. 
And then we were in Greenville, going to Greenville, Pennsylvania, and I candidated there, um, you know. And I'm like torn up over whether I should take it or not take it. They, they wanted me to go to that church and, and as, a, as an assistant pastor. And uh, God wasn't giving me peace for some reasons I won't get into. And I look at Amy and I'm like, what do you think? And I just wanted to say, tell me the answer. No or yes. or and all. You know what she told me? Whatever God tells you to do. I mean, I tell you, you talk about putting the, the pressure on you. It was, it, that, I just, man, that was heavy. Um, but when God calls you, man, you, he'll put you in the vice. And he'll, put you, he'll put some pressure on you to prove you, to see if you're really serious. And, man, I thought, man, if I don't go, my failure, will God still use me? And, and I will be honest there, after I really felt like God did not want me to go to Greenville, but I did not think he wanted me to come to Harrisonville either. And this was not, like, on my agenda. I didn't know Roger and Paul were back there praying for somebody to come here. But, I mean, I, I was just like... Okay, literally, I was told by our missions pastor, go to Harrisonville until God opens up a door somewhere else. That's what he told me. Just go down there and do that Bible study for a while. And I'm like, okay, Harold wanted me to come. Harold Hatman, he's like, oh, Brian, you got to come to Harrisonville. I'm like, well, you know, Jim Derskevich tried it down here. didn't work too hot. You know, I don't know. I was thinking L.A., you know, Pittsburgh, <laughs> you know, Dallas, <laughs> Harrisonville. Okay. Uh, but, man, I tell you, guys, God has, has given us, I believe that, I remember with the planning team, I'd say, do you believe the world? And I told them, if you don't believe this, I don't want you on the team. And all five or six of the people on the team agreed. I said, do you believe the world, God can reach the world from Harrisonville? That was the only thing I was clear on. I had to be in a place where we were serious about reaching the world. And, of course, they all said yes. And so that was, we endeavored right off the bat. We weren't We weren't in a church probably three years, and we were having vision conferences. And, we, and bringing in missionaries and and all of that, and so guys, it's got to be in your DNA. It's and it is. It's in your DNA. If you're born again, this vision and mission thing is who you are. It's not what you do. It's not a quick, it's not a cute little church planning mechanism so you can gather people up. You're talking about taking people out of the kingdom of darkness, bringing them to the kingdom of light, and then giving them everything that they need to to literally go assail. To go against the forces of evil and reproduce the ministry of Jesus Christ uh, in time for eternity. That's what we're involved in here. And then we're serious about it. It is not, and I think most people that come here get that. You may not really get it like just by coming on Sunday morning. But if you're around here very long, you're going to pick up on it. It's like, wow, these people are like serious about this stuff. Yeah, we are. That's what we're here for. And that is what we're trusting God for. If you want to get serious, we have a mechanism to do it. We have the tools to get you there. And we want people uh, that, that God is calling. And we want to be able to train them and send them. So some need to be praying about HBI. But if you want to get an HBI, go make sure you go through D1 and D2 first. That's our prereqs. D1 and D2. I know those at uh, some churches like L, uh, Midtown, they do D2 as part of their LFBI experience. We don't do that. D2 is separate from our HBI. So you, you don't. It doesn't automatically make you part of our institute if you go through D2. It's not like, you know, HBI light. So it's just a separate class. It's an elective. All right. Any questions? Let me pause there before I move on to the next one because it's really a lot different. That's our discipleship process. And this is about the body. So hopefully this is enlightening. I know, I know like to you it should be. It's kind of like stuff that you haven't seen the big picture. It, I never knew the big picture of really what discipleship was about. It took me a few years to really get it. I was so... 
I was so excited about our next point that I just was busy doing that for a long time. Uh, God had to really, I'm slow. He had to show me that discipleship isn't just lessons and it's not just uh, academic exercises in D2 and, and, and Bible institutes. Um, discipleship happens in ministry more than anywhere else. Ministry is what really makes it happen. You've got to be applying the Word of God. All right. No questions? Yes, ma'am. Uh, it starts every fall. So in September, D2 will start again. Uh, we did have a summer crash course that we did, an intensive. Uh, it was too intense, so we quit doing that. And so we don't do that. We've talked about spreading it out even longer than nine months, but, man, that's a long time. So we're just kind of, it's a lot. It's a fun, it's like getting a lot of info through the fire hose. But September should start the next cycle. First week of September, Wednesday nights. Uh, it'll go for approximately nine months. It'll end in May. We got. I'm really pleased with what we got going on right now. We got a pretty good group showing up on uh, on uh, Wednesday night in D2. All right. Any other questions? We'll move on to evangelism, the role of discipleship in fulfilling the mission of God. So evangelism is a big part of that, right? We got to have maturation, but we also got to make sure that we don't forsake evangelism, because um, evangelism. There's a value in sharing the gospel because we know that God values people. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Right. So we need to be all about the business of evangelism. There's a value in sharing the gospel because God cares about sinners. Right. He died to save them. So uh, Psalm 68 and verse 4 says, Sing unto God, sing praises to his name, extol him and ride upon the heavens, by his name, Yah, <clears throat> and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless and judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. O God, when thou uh, wentest before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness, Selah. Obviously, that's dealing a lot with the Old Testament, but there's a there's a prophetic nature to that and, of course, a devotional aspect in which you know, evangelism sets us free, right? It setteth the solitary in families. It bringeth those which are bound with chains, right? Those that were in bondage are now made free. So we should definitely be about getting people out of the chains of sin and death. Um, <clears throat> also, um, I think I've got, I've got number one there. There's sharing the gospel should be natural. Uh, I should say probably supernatural. In our natural man, we can't do it. But it should become natural in the way we approach it. Evangelist is found three times uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament, I should say. Acts 21.8, the Bible says, The next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip, the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. So he was, what is those seven that he's talking about there? One of the seven what? Anybody? Yep, seven deacons. So he was one of those seven deacons selected in Acts chapter six. Um, so, uh, so Philip is called the evangelist. Second Timothy four five says, "But watch thou in all things, endure the afflictions, or endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry." So do that work of an evangelist. Ephesians four eleven says, "There's people in the church that are evangelists. He gave some apostles, some pastors, or some prophets." some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. 
<clears throat> for the work of the ministry, right? So the word literally means preacher of the gospel. And that means we should be evangelists and we should all be doing the work of evangelism. We should all be preaching the gospel. So there, there are those who are gifted evangelists. And uh, evangelism simply means sharing the gospel on purpose with other with another person, often a person <coughs> you may have never met. So when we evangelize, we present Christ and his message for consideration and decision. That's really what you're doing. You're just presenting Christ, his message for consideration, and if possible, a decision. When I say it like that, it's not so scary. That's all you're really doing. We do this in sincere charity, which is love for the soul or the souls with whom we're sharing the gospel. The greatest evangelical method is simply sharing the love of God with a sincere love for the person or the people you're communicating with. Many years ago, I was down in uh, Ellis, Kansas, and Dave Thompson was the pastor at that church, and I was reading. We just started this church. I'm reading all these books on how to reach people, cross-cultural this and that and the other, and you know, like a preacher now, man, I'm a real preacher. I'm on a trip talking to another pastor, right? So I'm down here at this church talking to this pastor and all these, all this knowledge in my brain, you know. <clears throat> and I said, uh, so Dave, what do you think the best method for evangelism is? You know, and I think we're going to get into this theological discussion. And he just kind of pauses for a second and he looks at me and goes, thank love, because that does it most of the time. <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, God just like slayed me. I was like, love. Yeah, I guess that, that's right. Love is it. That's it. You know, there's no, yeah, I don't need to do this, that, and the other thing. I don't need to, to be like all men, that all men might be saved, although the Bible talks about that. I mean, at the end of the day, when you love souls, you'll do what it takes to get the God. He, he said something I already knew. If you love God and you love people, you'll do what it takes to get the gospel there. Love is actually the best word ever for evangelism. I mean, if you don't love people... You might as well not try to evangelize them. I'm not saying God won't use it, but at the end of the day, you got to care. If you don't care, you won't share. If you share, if you care, you will share. It's, it's that simple. If you don't care that the neighbor's going to hell, you're not going to take the time of day to talk to him about it. If you care that your neighbor's going to hell, you'll be motivated to find a way to get the gospel to him. You'll think of all kinds of creative ways to get the gospel to him. It's not just some program. At the end of the day, it's really try. That's why the gospel tries our heart. As we've been put in trust with the gospel, so also we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our heart. He tries our heart with the gospel. And so, uh, the greatest evangelical method is simply love. At HBF, uh, we keep gospel tracts in the east hallway, so you can go over here and utilize those as a tool to, to plant seeds to the gospel uh, and start gospel conversations. We pray for open doors and boldness to preach the gospel as we ought, as there is a spiritual war that hinders us from opening our mouth and sharing the love of Christ. It is hard to preach the gospel, not because, not just because people won't re- receive it at times. Actually, there's more people probably willing to receive it than we're willing to share. It's, it's literally because it's spiritual. I mean, to share the, good, the light of Christ is usually you're going to sense the darkness. And so you do have to enter into it understanding that you are entering a spiritual battle. It's scary. I just had a conversation with someone tonight who was like considering receiving the gospel, and they're like weighing it out, going, "But it's kind of scary. It's kind of, it is kind of scary, right? Because you know you're stepping out of darkness into the light. It's a decision. It's a big one. It's also when you preach it, you can feel the weight of the gospel when you're preaching to somebody. You're trying to, I say preach. I'm talking about just sharing the gospel. Um, so, 
Colossians 4, uh, chapter 2, or chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving, <clears throat> with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So Paul's asking for this prayer. And then he says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Right? You need to go out and get and connect with people. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Uh, there, you know that the book of Colossians is the is one of the few books. You got a footnote at the end of uh, Timothy about written from Laodicea. First Timothy's written from Laodicea, but it's not in the text. Only in Colossians do you find the word uh, Colossians chapter two and Revelation chapter three. Do you find the word Laodicea, which is the church age we live in? And it's instructional that chapter four is so specific about the gospel itself i mean this is like direct instructions to us about the gospel like we need to be praying for doors of utterance today and i I, to my shame i don't think i've prayed for a door of utterance by god's grace i've been able to share the gospel today without that but we should be actively praying for doors of utterance i mean this is a you can just outline this right now pray for doors of utterance so that god will open the door for you right and then when you do get the door open speak the mystery the mystery of christ what is the mystery of Christ? You should know what that is. The mystery of Christ, that Jesus came, was man, it's, it ties into the mystery of godliness, right? Christ was manifest in the flesh, right? Jesus was all God and he was all man. It ties into all the mysteries, frankly. Jesus came to this world to save sinners, of whom I'm chief, right? He died on the cross for our sins. He rose the third day, according to the scripture. And he's alive right now. He will return. All the, actually, all the mysteries touch on those things because they deal with the resurrection, the rapture. You know, you don't get into all that when you're sharing the gospel. But understanding the mysteries help you understand the mystery of Christ, right? The seven mysteries in the New Testament. So, uh, I won't get into that, but for sharing the gospel, say, ask, ask for God to open a door of utterance. Pray, and he'll do it. And then be ready to share who Christ is and what Christ did and what Christ will do if somebody will receive him as Lord and Savior. And then <clears throat> Paul says, oh, and by the way, pray for me also. Um, I'm in bonds, and I need help. You know, pray for others. Pray, Pat is over I go. Pray for Pat Lee. Pray for the, the, the evangelist that you know. Pray for Stan Plue, right? Pray for, pray for the preacher. Pray for your brother. Pray for your husband. Pray for your, your son, your daughter. Pray for other people to be able to share the gospel. Um. And pray that that's a big part of their life. It's frustrating to me, to see, and, I, and I don't want to get too personal here, but, I mean, there's people in our own church, and, and man, the gospel, the, getting the gospel where it needs to go in their own context is not a priority. It's just not. Like when they're outside of the four walls of the church, it's like come to church, get all this spiritual talk going, all this spiritual life, go out of the church, we're not going to talk about it. Well, what's that about? I mean, that's bull, that's baloney. <laughs> it's just baloney. And it is dumb. It is, it's not going to work well at the judgment seat of Christ, I'm telling you. And I'm guilty of it too. I know, I know that we're all, we got it. That's why we need to do what I'm, what the word says, not what I say, what the word says. And number five there, uh, verse five, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, right? So wisdom is application of the word, right? Applying what you do know. And let your, I like this also, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Right? So a little salt. Don't go out and blast everybody with 50 pages of the Bible. 
use gracious words, kind words, loving words, put a little bit of scripture in there, right? Little honey lets the medicine go down, right? So you got to be, that's part of the wisdom. That's what Paul's saying. We live in a very hostile, we're getting increasingly hostile to the gospel, but there's also a great thirst for the gospel. So we need to be wise right now in how we, uh, we, we walk in wisdom toward those that are without. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. All right, so we, not, we ought to know how to answer every man. We ought to be ready with an answer. So um, we, have, we take it to the streets. We have a group called, um, uh, we have IGO groups, but we, we go, when's our next taking it to the streets? Is it in April? Yeah, so end of the month. Yep. And so uh, with that, too, we need to remember to take out the invitations and get people signed up for uh, soccer. So that'll be a good thing to to get out. But uh, we got taken to the streets. Everybody could get in on that. Pray about your neighborhood. Take it. Just inviting people. We do that. That's an easy way to go out and just share the gospel. Pray for open doors and do everything I just talked about. Uh, But you don't have to be organized at HBF to do this. Anyone can do this anytime. Um, you can go to anybody you want anytime at any place and let them know that you're praying for them. One of the things I've done here in Cass County, and by the way, witnessing door-to-door in Cass County is easier than if you go up to the suburbs uh, or go into the metro. Um, it is easier out here because people are still pretty friendly, especially if you go on a warm day when people are in their lawns and stuff and garage doors are open. They still feel fairly secure around here. You know, they're not like... <laughs> You know, ready to shoot you in the head. Uh, so, um, but one of the things you can do, like if you're like, well, how do I go out? Like if it's not some event, I don't have some church flyer in my hand. You know, how do I do that without being like a complete weirdo? Like they think I'm a Jehovah Witness or something, you know, wanting to get them into the kingdom hall. <clears throat> one of the things that I would do, and I have done, is just simply say, hey, look, um, I'm just in the neighborhood and I'm praying. If this is if you want to do it the door-to-door style evangelism. And you can do, there's several different ways to, to witness to people, right? But if you just really want to get out and share the gospel like that, you can you can just say, hey, my name is Brian. Um, you can tell them what church you're from if you want to sound like you have some sort of, you know, church credibility. Some people might turn them off, whatever. But just say, I'm Brian. Uh, I'm praying for the community. Uh, is there anything I can pray for you about? You'd be shocked if you just go to someone's door, anybody's door, knock on it. Hey, I'm Brian Hedges. Uh, I'm a member of Heartland Baptist. We're praying for our community. I just am coming by your house to see if there's anything I can pray for. And mean it. I mean, you're not just saying that as a shtick. You mean it. Anything? Okay. No? Okay, great. Thanks. That's it. Maybe, can I pray for you? No, get off my porch. Okay, no problem. If you need anything, let me know. I'm out. You know, peace out. But, you know, just go to the door. You'll be shocked. You'll, you'll be, you'll be, you know what will happen? If you test me on this, chances are, you won't get very far. You'll get two, three, four houses in. The people will be unloading stuff. People will be crying. People will be asking if you could pray for them. You'll be wanting to figure out how to get them to church. You're gonna be, I mean, that, I'm telling you, try test me. You'd be surprised at how, how people will just, if you're sincere at heart, and you're not just doing this as a shtick, and you care, and they'll know you care because you're sincere, the doors will open up, and you'll be praying with people, You'll be inviting them to church. You'll be ask, you'll be you'll be walking through the gospel. They'll be getting saved. I mean, it's really not that hard. Uh, you'll be rejected. That's the bit, that's the main reason people don't go. But who cares? You get rejected a few times. Whatever. 
you know, it's not like someone nailed you to a tree and you bled out, you know. I mean, you just say, okay, next. Appreciate it, you know, and you move on. Try it. You need to do it. Just do it. All right. Enough talking about it. We also have outings like Spark in the Park, Harvest Party, VBS. Uh, they're designed to connect with the community and share the love of Christ, the gospel. Uh, so we have all that activity stuff, too, and you all jump in on that. Pat, again, leads most of that up between me and Pat. Honestly, most of the evangelism that's formal around here, uh, not all, but the Harvest Party, Lauren and Chris had up. That's an evangelism outreach. But outside of that, I think you and I had up most of the other evangelistic outreach event activities. So just see us. We'll get you involved in it. We'll get you going. Or Lauren and Chris for the Harvest Party and VBS, which is also somewhat of an evangelistic outreach. So, um, you know, we kind of got that's our structure. If you want to get in on some organized evangelistic activities, uh, we have that going on, too. Um, I tell you what, if, by God's grace, once we get uh, anything we do, low, like volleyball, um, or when we have soccer going on out back, by God's grace, all that it becomes evangelistic. I mean, everything that we do, we should be looking for people who don't know Jesus and uh, give them the gospel, where, get them the gospel uh, on time so they don't die and bust hell wide open. All right. So we often don't share because we don't care. I've already made that point. Um, and, we're, <clears throat> and so what keeps us from sharing is simply this. We get focused on our flesh instead of the mission of God. If you want to be a good disciple, you got to die to self. That's, that's, that's what those seven stages are all about. I already covered that once, right? It's the same thing with evangelism. Evangelism, the big hiccup is not knowing the gospel. It's not having the right tool in your hand or even the right opportunity. Those exist, and they're there for us every day. It really is dying to ourself and just saying that's one of the reasons why we should all be involved in evangelism is because it forces us to die to self. It's like one of those things you just can't do in the flesh effectively. I'm not saying you can't do it in the flesh, but you're not going to be effective and you're not going to enjoy it and it's not going to be natural. But when you step out of the fle- out of your flesh and allow the Spirit of God to lead, it's kind of like liberating. It's scary at first. It's like jumping off a cliff. But once you get going, it's like, wow, this is so cool. Why did, why do I, what is my hang-up? That's what I ask myself every time, you know. What's my hang-up, man? And I'm flying now. It's awesome. And so it's just a matter of dying to self. That's, it's not, if you, again, it's a matter of just not being selfish. We just got to get over us. And God will, God will make it happen. Um, and then we'll figure out a way, right? I'm not as worried about your technique. We've done way of the master, right? You can use the law to convict people of sin, right? There's a whole, there's a whole, there's nothing wrong with that. That's true. You can use the law of the conscience. You can, I mean, there's all kinds of different ways. You can do EE, right? You can do a survey. I, there's all kinds of mechanisms and methods and, and, and what have you. But love wins, I'm telling you. Just loving people enough to share the gospel, to get to take time to talk to them and ask God to give you an open door and having the boldness to speak the gospel when you ought to speak, the way you ought to speak, it's there. And God will do it every time. All right. So... I should probably, let me see where I'm at here. I wanted to get to the next section. I don't want to, yeah, let me finish this point and then we'll pick up number four next week. So we also uh, get caught up in our flesh. Um, I already said that. Second Timothy 1 7 <clears throat> says this For, for uh, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but power, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So God gives us what we need. Uh, he's given us His Word, He's given us the Holy Spirit. Uh, and he's given us the mind of Christ, right? So he's given us what we need. We just can't allow our flesh to overcome us. 
All right, and and then lastly for tonight, uh, get involved. Right? There's there's a uh, man. There's stuff you can do here. There's IGO groups uh, that give you accountability. Uh, you can go to hangouts. When's your next hangout? Of course, twenty fifth. But you're not like asking everybody in the world to come to that. But there's hangouts that they do with IGO. You don't have to be an IGO to figure this out. Um, where they just invite lost people on purpose for a fun time and try to witness to them. Last time they did it, some of the people were coming to church. Some, some of them are coming to church right now that, that came to one of your hangouts. And so uh, in Pat's IGO group, that's your IGO group or is it a combination of groups? I can't remember. Just your IGO group? Okay. Yeah. So I should get the pastoral. The pastor, we do IGO as a pastor team. So once a month we sit and we go through our personal evangelism, just keep ourselves accountable that we're sharing the gospel and uh, and pray over those that we're witnessing to. I mean, I go simple. If you want to know more about it, see Pat. Um, uh, there's training for it as well. If you want to be trained on how to be an I go leader, you can shadow Pat and learn all about it. Uh, there's also, there's ministry. Let me back up here. I'm getting too far. There's a... Uh, uh, you know, just getting involved in ministry. There's community connections. We we have several community connections events that I've already mentioned. Um, uh, there's also the big events like Easter, church in the uh, church in the park, spark in the park, full harvest party, uh, Christmas, among other things. Right? There's all kinds of opportunities. The main thing is just being. That's all part of the mission, the vision. If we're not doing that here, then we really don't need to get on a plane. And fly to India or Europe or Africa and start telling everybody else what they need to be doing with the mission of God, right? So these are things that we really, we, not just me, but all of us need to be doing. And I do need to be doing it too because I'm your pastor. But we all need to be about this. If we really understand the mission and the vision that God's given us, we'll be about making disciples and sharing the gospel and taking our disciples with us to share the gospel. I mean, it's really that simple. Jesus took his disciples, and he showed them what to do, and then he released them two by two to do it, you know, and that's how it works. That's what discipleship's about, and then eventually he trusted them. They, you learn more by doing than by sitting and listening. What would be really good is like if I went about 30 minutes into this, and we all jumped in a van, and we just went out to the streets tonight and started sharing the gospel. Then you guys would be like, whoa. Some of you would be scared to death, you know, mess your pants, all that. It would be terrible. But once you got out and you, and you got going... You'd be like, wow, why haven't I done this? It's so simple. One time I was teaching HBI class. I don't remember what the uh, – we had something coming up, and uh, I was wanting to get, get the word out on it. So I just – I walked in when – I didn't tell him, 9 o'clock. I had the – I knew what I was going to do. I had the van already outside running, <laughs> and I, I walked into class, and I said, okay, guys, to this morning, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go out witness. And we all just I made them all get in the van, and we all went over and started going door to door and handing out flyers and stuff. Because, I mean, good night. If, we're not, if we can't do that kind of stuff and you're supposed to be trained to be a pastor, then you have no business in a pulpit, right? So, um, and so those are the things that, that – uh, it's not just about going door to door, by the way. It's about being prepared uh, in the Word and being prepared to share. And some of that sharing, when you're talking about the mission and vision, it just starts off with the gospel. I'm emphasizing the gospel last. That's where we should all start. But once you're faithful with the gospel, then you get the doctrine. And then it is. You're trusted to, to, to hand off the body of knowledge that God has given us about himself and his kingdom and the mission that he has uh, for us and, what, and even for his own son, how this is going to end up in Revelation 
right? Uh, you have to get the you have to get the whole counsel of God to the church. And so uh, I do pray that that uh, there are people within our congregation uh, that God is raising up to replace me. Right? We need more pastors. We need more missionaries. We need more leaders of the church. People who are willing to go and take on the responsibility of the flock, shepherds, right, sheep herders. We need as many as possible today. If the Lord tarries two years, we'll train him until he comes. If he tarries 20 years, man, I would pray that this church could produce shepherds that could take care not only of this church but many other churches in this area, that there would be salt and light in the heart of America because of the ministry of the Word of God here. It is about reproduction. And so, uh, and we do it by faith. I mean, we're not, we're not loaded up tonight with people. We're not loaded up on Sunday with people. So we just got to pray that God brings the right people at the right time and we got all the right tools and God gets it where it needs to go on time. You guys, you guys tracking with me? All right. What's, uh, has anyone witnessed today? Anybody shared the gospel today? Pam? Yeah. You want to share what, what happened? Hang on. We're about done. So I got to be. Paquito, but let me, we'll do this and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Um, at um, a medical equipment company uh, that I'm working with getting some new CPAP equipment. Oh, cool. And uh, we talking about children, and I mentioned my granddaughter Adeline, who uh, was saved and baptized, uh-huh. and she wrote a little book, her salvation book. Oh, neat. <clears throat> I've carried it in my purse. And I shared it with her, and then uh, we started talking about uh, her life, and uh, her husband's not saved, and she is. Her oh, daughter's 14, almost 15, and she was um, very emotional about, you know, what do I do and where do I go? And so uh, hmm. I only had a uh, life issues flyer, and I gave that to her. It had our information on it. So. How oh, cool. We'll see. That's awesome. Thank you. Anybody else? How about discipleship? Has discipleship made a difference in anybody's life? Lauren. <laughs> no. We're terrible here. Yeah, no. I got a lot of hands going up. I'll, I'll wrap this up for time's sake, but uh, I wish I had made a little more time at the end to hear your guys' stories. Um, so we got several hands. I would, I'd like to have had the, that shared. But um, at any rate... Um, Several hands went up if you're watching online. But discipleship's a big deal. It really does make a difference. And it made the, I, I, I guarantee you, if I would not have been discipled, I would, not have, I, w- I would have probably just fell away. I am one of those people that I was not going to go to church. I had no intention of going to church. Um, back then, we had no rules on discipleship as far as, you know, they need to be attending church three times a month or whatever. And so uh, they just took the discipleship lessons and started working with me because I got saved. And, uh, man, that was everything to me. If I, I would not have made it to church probably if it wouldn't have been for that investment across the kitchen table week after week after week until I finally got it through my thick skull that I might need to go to a local church and get some more education here because uh, I just wasn't working for me without a church. you know. So uh, God uses the local church, and that's what these sessions are all about. <clears throat> is body life. You're not going to be contrary to your own opinion sometimes. I used to be this guy that didn't think I needed a local church to evangelize. There's people who think you don't need a local church. There's campus ministries all over this country that try to disciple 
evangelistic organizations that try to disciple, parachurch organizations that try to disciple, and they're not part of a local New Testament church. And I'm telling you, you cannot disciple. You're not going to have the power. I'm not saying you can't go through a process. I'm not saying you can't do a Bible study. I'm not saying you can't impart information and knowledge. But you will not get the product that God is needing if you don't connect discipleship to the ministry of the local New Testament church because the purpose of a disciple when he is sent is to ultimately a mature disciple is to reproduce not just the life of Christ and others, but reproduce local New Testament churches and steward the mysteries of the faith that is carried through the local church. That's why it's connected to the local church. The ministry of discipleship is directly connected to the local church. It is our responsibility to make disciples. Uh, and so it's not just one person's job. It is all of our jobs to disciple. God uses all the ministry to do that, and that's why it's so important. Discipleship is not just a series of lessons. It's not just D1, D2, and HBI. It really is everything that we do here at HBF. Uh, and it's all we do have a structure for it as well for individuals to kind of find their way through it. But it doesn't matter. It, what we do in ministry is discipleship. If you're leading this church in ministry, you're, you are learning as a disciple, uh, and, and you're going to keep learning. There's certainly a place where you mature to a point where you're, you're no longer a disciple in the sense that you're a learner, but you're kind of a journeyman. You're turned out. You're always learning, though. You're always growing, and then you're investing what you've learned in other people. And that's the, that's the mark of maturation. That's when you're mature, when you're able to reproduce life in others. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to, to really look at uh, this particular 